Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith, Edinburgh. This podcast features edited highlights from our hybrid Sunday service, which was held on September the 19th, 2021. To find out how to join us online or in person, and for more general information, please go to stjamesleith.org.uk. A warm welcome to everybody here in church and also at home, uh, and especially visitors. A warm welcome to my cousin Gordon, who's come from Glasgow, Yusuf in church, uh, and anyone who's joining us new uh, from home. As you can see, we're trying out a bit of new technology this week, um, so we're hoping that it, it all goes well. So during we're celebrating a season of creation time and we're coming up to COP26 and I thought this morning that we'd look at the theme of beauty and how, uh, how it informs our lives uh, and how um, it should be part of our faith and our life and how important it is. But it's a difficult word to pin down the word beauty and it might even be something different to each one of us but I just want to say a few words that it shouldn't be mistaken for glamour or adornment. Instead, beauty is not merely external, but has many layers and dwells in the depth of things. So to behold beauty dignifies our lives. It heals, it liberates, and calls us out beyond the smallness of our own self-limitation to experience new horizons. So to experience beauty is to have our lives enlarged and cause us to come alive with a sense of wonder and celebration and delight. And we normally start our service with a moment's quiet when I uh, bang a gong. Um, And what I'd like us to do in that moment of quiet is for us really to individually contemplate a time where we've experienced beauty. So uh, before I hand over to Ellie, he'll take over the service after that. So let's just start with a moment's quiet and during that time, contemplate an experience that you've had of beauty and also at home if you'd like to light a candle and we'll light one in church to connect what's going on at home with what's going on in church. So let's have uh, that moment's quiet. Friend and stranger, welcome in the name of Jesus. We gather together, putting our trust in the grace and mercy of God. Amen. Blessed are you, O God, maker of heaven and earth, giver of all good things. Creation sings your praises. Blessed are you, O Christ, Son of God eternal, bringer of good news to the poor. Creation Creation cries cries out out for your justice. Blessed are you, O Holy Spirit, giver of life and renewal, uniting us in worship and service. 
creation Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, and beginning at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. 
the Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, beginning at verse 30. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another, Who was the greatest? He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Give thanks to the Lord for his glorious gospel. Praise to Christ our Lord. Loving God, we thank you for your word. Please open our hearts and minds and ears to savouring your world and to seeing elements of beauty in both the extraordinary but also in the everyday. Amen. So I'm going to uh, do something slightly different today and not preach on the New Testament passage which is a beautiful passage, I might add. Um, but I'm going to concentrate uh, on a few words from um, the, the Philippians passage, really from verse 8. 
which says, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Uh, in some versions, um, one of the words is whatever is lovely, which can also be translated uh, as whatever is beautiful. So I want to really look, as I said at the beginning of the service, with creation time coming up and uh, we're gearing up to working with other groups with COP26, how beauty might inform our lives and our faith. And I'll probably just tell a few stories um, along the way. But during the first lockdown, um, as an English literature teacher, I decided I'd read some of those big tombs that I always felt I, I should read. One of them was War and, War and Peace that I managed to get through. And the other, um, even heavier actually, War and Peace was quite light compared to this one, was a novel by Dostoevsky called The Idiot. I don't know if there's anyone here that's uh, had a go at reading that. But it's really, in, in The Idiot, there's a character called Mishkin, who is really like a Christ-like figure, and the other people call him the idiot. Because he's so out of kilter with the values of the world and those around him, and he comes across as naive, he's not interested, he has no desire for money, and he's not in, uh, involved in the politics, uh, social politics uh, of those around him. And his innate goodness creates uh, different reactions from people. Some people are drawn towards him uh, and others uh, end up despising him. But throughout the book, he repeats this phrase, beauty will save the world. And I think it's probably the most famous phrase that comes out of that book. And it's a phrase that's always struck me um, uh, from the book. And it's one that the author Solzhenitsyn in his Nobel Prize-winning uh, speech, referred to uh, these words, beauty will save the world, that they're not really a riddle, but they're actually a prophecy about the future. So how true is this enigmatic phrase, beauty will save the world, and what might it mean to us uh, today, in, uh, for us individually, but also as a community? And I start with a, a story to illustrate the impact of beauty. Uh, around about a thousand years ago, a little bit longer, Prince Vladimir the Great, the pagan monarch of Kiev, was looking for a new religion to unify the Russian people. So he sent out envoys to investigate the great faith, faith in all the neighboring uh, realms. And when the delegations returned, they gave the prince a multitude of reports on the different faiths. And he chose the one from the envoys who went to the Hagia Sophia temple in Constantinople, which is now a mosque, but in those days was a Christian place of worship, which um, I, I know Ralph and Joe have uh, visited. I don't know if anyone else has, but uh, uh, apparently it is stunningly beautiful. And this is a report. Then we went to Constantinople uh, which is now Istanbul. And they led us to the place where they worship their God. And we knew not whether we were in heaven or earth. For on earth there is no such vision nor beauty. And we do not know how to describe it. We only know that God dwells among men and women. We cannot forget that beauty. 
And upon receiving the, that report, Prince Vlad Vladimir adopted Christianity as a new faith for the Russian people. And what impressed him and persuaded Prince Vladimir to embrace Christianity was how beautiful that place was. And our church fathers and mothers stated that there were three great virtues of God. One was goodness, one was truth, and the third one was beauty. And as a church, we've tried, I think, uh, uh, been quite good really at trying to communicate our faith uh, in terms of truth through arguing the truth of our faith, what's called apologetics. And we've also made a case for the moral goodness that Christianity can produce, so the truth of Jesus' teachings and uh, the goodness um, of Jesus' teachings, the ethics. And I wonder if we've sort of missed a beat by neglecting um, our responsibility, I suppose, and mission to bring beauty into the world. And I think it's especially important today to gen a generation that's uh, suspicious in the postmodern world, suspicious of truth claims and unconvinced by moral assertions. Um, and I think beauty has a, a way of sneaking past our sort of guarded defenses. And I remember, um, some of you might know Richard Coles, he's on television, sometimes on Radio 4, and, he, and he's, he's on Have I Got News For You occasionally, he's sort of the media vicar, but um, I trained uh, with him and asked him once about what drew him to faith, because he had this history of being in the communards and a quite a hedonistic uh, uh, lifestyle when he was younger. And he said, uh, it was after the AIDS epidemic where he'd lost a number of uh, friends, he said the thing that really drew him into the church was the sound of a church bell, the simplicity of the sound of a church bell, which somehow made him feel connected to something bigger than himself, gave him a sense of being connected to this, uh, um, something that had been happening down the, the centuries. Um, and that sound resonated deep within him. So much so that he then that started his road to ordination. He went on to, to be ordained. So don't get me wrong. I, I believe in the validity of uh, Christian apologetics of truth and ethics, goodness. But I'm not always sure that that's the best way to present ourselves to the world. Because if we say we have the truth, um, uh, and I, uh, I've argued with people, and... Um, Sometimes I lose the argument and they go away happy that they've won the argument. Sometimes I make a point and uh, they're often a bit frustrated and it make, doesn't seem to make a lot of difference. Um, and a superior ethic, I think, I think now uh, with uh, some of the abuse claims, I think the church really, uh, we're on pretty shaky foundations uh, on that. And I think we may well be greeted with at best skepticism and at worst suspicion. So perhaps I wonder whether we need to emphasize and communicate beauty in our faith and our spirituality. And uh, I dug out my uh, application here when I, because uh, um, I knew I'd written something about beauty in it. And it, it said this, a faith and spirituality enchanted by beauty, formed by beauty and reflecting beauty has the opportunity to present to a skeptical and jaded world hope, life, and passion. And I think that's something of uh, uh, what Steve's vision 
was here actually at St. James was creating worship that was beautiful, that, 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 had, uh, that sort of got deep within um, through the music uh, and through the space. So let's just take our central story of our faith, the cross. I think it's breathtakingly beautiful. So on the surface, the cross uh, represents a repellent, ugly form of torture and psychological terror designed to uh, strike fear into those who dared oppose the Roman Empire. I mean, it's really the most horrendous, um, whoever thought that up, you know, cruelty that you could think, designed to intimidate. And yet Jesus turns this hideous emblem of death, suffering and torture into something beautiful, into an emblem of forgiveness, of love, hope and life. Jesus on the cross is what I believe to be the clearest representation of the nature of God. Arms outstretched, open to all the cruelty and hatred and anger and shame hurled towards him. And instead of recycling the cruelty, hatred, anger, shame, he transforms it back and puts it back into the world as love, forgiveness and life. It is beauty. Beauty will save the world. Similarly, and I'd encourage you to read some of the stories of Jesus and sort of look, look at them in terms of their beauty, if that makes sense. Because many of the stories in the life of Jesus not only convey truth and goodness, but I think also beauty. So the, the woman caught in adultery, the anointing of Jesus' feet with oil, the reinstatement of Peter after his threefold denial. All these stories... I think, dignify life. They bring healing, liberation, and they call men and women out beyond their own limitations to experience new horizons. Life is enlarged and enlivened. And it's incredible the creativity that Jesus uses in responding to specific situations and people. There's no one kind of way of doing things. So, for example, the story of Peter, where he denies... Um, Jesus three times, he's devastated. And you have that lovely story of Jesus saying three times, do you love me? It's like the three times, the healing um, of that wound. So I also think beauty has something to do with form, you know, whether it's a sculpture, a piece of art, the arrangement of notes in music, the shape of a poem. And I think the gospel writers are very adept at constructing these wonderful stories from an oral tra tradition and creating and crafting uh, these stories into a, a beautifully written form. So I wonder if we need to ask ourselves three questions as a community and as individuals in all that we do. Is it truthful? Does it have integrity? Is it good? Does it promote justice, uh, bring healing? But also the question, does what we do contain an element of beauty? Does it liberate? Does it enlarge lives? And I don't think we can ever tell if what we do is beautiful. I think that's always in the, uh, the responses are of, of what people, those who are receiving it. But I think it's worth us having that in the back of our minds. And we can have, uh, it, all of us here, I think, probably have had extraordinary experiences of beauty, maybe in nature 
or um, in a cathedral or whatever. Uh, recently, well not that recently, about four years ago, um, we went as a family to India where I was born and Fiona's worked and I've worked. We went as a whole family and our youngest wanted to see, go to a, a reserve and see tigers and uh, the first, we went out in a jeep and literally the first half hour we stopped in a jeep and this tiger walked past our jeep. I mean, I could have, to be honest, I could have patted it if I, if I wasn't so frozen uh, <laughs> stiff. And it was a moment of terror, but I think terror, beauty, there are sometimes moments of terror. And it was like the world had stopped still. I, I, it was like this moment and this incredibly beautiful, nonchalantly, wasn't really bothered about us at all, just wandered past. And I thought, what, what, you know, what would we miss if a creature uh, like that no longer existed. A moment of beauty that will literally stay with me um, forever. But I also think beauty is woven, um, quietly sort of woven through our, our days in everyday life. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear. It occurs in the ordinary and not only in the special elite realm of tigers and opera singers, which are um, moments of beauty, um, but it, it, it dwells in the extraordinary, but also in the ordinary. And I'm sure we all miss beauty that is around us due to the business of our lives, which I think shows that importance of living in the present moment. Beauty can also sustain us in difficult times. Um, Pascal said, in difficult times, you should always carry something beautiful in your mind, which is what St. Paul is saying as well. And the poet Rilke said, in times of trouble, always stay close to one simple thing in nature. And I think during lockdown, during the lockdowns, I think a lot of people have been sustained by nature, even in their own, when, if they haven't got a garden, I know a plant or something has uh, sustain them and it does remind me of a story uh, of a Holocaust survivor who they used to have to go from the camp and walk to this place where they would literally be breaking up concrete through the ugly buildings, the stench of burnt bodies, a horrible, horrible, ugly place to be and they talked about on their way there was this yellow flower that had grown through the cracks and that that yellow flower, the color of that yellow seemed so bright amongst this gray ugliness. And that was, that flower would sustain um, the person through the breaking up of the rocks and the misery of what they were in. So in times of trouble, stay close to one simple thing in nature. So if we begin to appreciate the pr profound value of beauty in our lives, we not only then uh, we begin to see the value of art, music, poetry, other forms of expression um, that is really being downplayed in lots of places in society, in education, um, that really that is part and part of our lives and also our faith. But we should also be challenging those things which destroy beauty which is why it's important to be involved in the global movements to protect our planet, to seek to influence those at COP26 conference to drastically reduce CO2 emissions.
So I'm not going to talk too much about that, but I want to end again with a um, description of somebody who's a historian who's describing the people that first discovered the Americas. And it really, I think, shows a clash of two fundamental worldviews that are occurring at COP26. The clash on, uh, um, in Glasgow, I think, is between these two worldviews. So this is a description. He says, to those who followed Columbus and Cortes, the new world truly seemed incredible because of the natural endowments. The land often announced itself with a heavy scent miles out into sea. Giovanni de Verrazzano in 1524 smelled the cedars of the east coast a hundred leagues out. The men of Henry Hudson's boat, Half Moon, were temporarily disarmed by the fragrance of the New Jersey shore, while ships running further up the coast occasionally swam through large beds of floating flowers. Whenever they came inland, they found a rich color, a rich riot of color and sound of game and luxurious vegetation. And had they been other than they were, they might have written a new mythology here. Instead, they took an inventory. And I think this communicates our two ways of seeing and being in the world. We can seek to control it, measure it, see it as a resource for us to use and exploit, or we can marvel at and surrender to its beauty, breathing in sights, scents, sounds, textures, and tastes, and breathe out a huge thank you. Meister Eckhart said, if, if you only said one prayer in your life, and that was thank you, that would suffice, that would be enough. We need to slow down and learn the art of savoring. If we savor more, we would buy less, we would be less compulsive, less unsatisfied, and live more simply. If we savor more, we would communicate more deeply, relate more fully, compete less frequently, and celebrate more authentically. If we savor more, our moral outrage at injustice, cruelty, and violence towards people and our planet would intensify because our love of life would not be able to tolerate so readily those forces that diminish life and dignity. Amen. We're in our prayers today we're going to use an apple off our tree to aid us. So here at St. James's, we're just going to take a few moments to share them around. And if you're at home, if you would like to find an apple or some other piece of fruit each that you can hold as we pray. And it's absolutely fine if you don't want to take one. So this morning in our prayers, we're going to consider the beauty that God has created and notice this beauty and rejoice in the pleasure we can take in it and pray about those places and ways 
in which we humankind are marring this beauty. So can I invite you to take the apple in your hand and use it to aid you in our prayers. Uh, and the response this morning, when I say, lead us all into a greater concern for your creation, could you respond, creator God, lead us. Lead us all into a greater concern for your creation. Creator God, lead us. So could you spend a moment now looking closely at the apple in your hand, marveling at its beauty and the wonder you can feel in it, the intricacy and potential in God's creation and give thanks. To see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wild flower. Hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. Lead us into a greater concern for your creation. Creator God, lead us. If you can spend a moment now smelling the apple and marvel at its scent and all that this evokes for you. We acknowledge now those places we've polluted whose smell is not fragrant or is unhealthy or deadly for those living nearby. We acknowledge the landfill we've dumped and the chemicals we've created demand for. And we pray for the redeeming of polluted places throughout the world. Lead us into a greater concern for your creation. Creator God lead us. If you can spend a moment now touching the apple, marveling at its smooth skin, the remnants of the flower at its base that it grew from, and any blemishes. We acknowledge those places where we can no longer touch the earth you have created and its nurturing soil where we've covered the earth with tarmac and concrete, and where our greed has led to the destruction of forests, where the soil's been eroded and washed away. And we pray for those places and those many, many people now subject to flooding. Please help us to know how to respond. Lead us into a greater concern for your creation. Creator God, lead us. Uh, now, if you would like to, in a moment, you could take a bite of your apple, or you can do that later if you prefer, and notice both what you hear and what you taste. You can marvel at the crunch 
and at the freshly picked this morning taste and all that this evokes for you. And we acknowledge now those many places in the world newly affected by drought, where people are no longer able to grow their food or to pasture their animals because of changes in rainfall. Please help us to know how to respond. Lead us all into a greater concern for your creation. Creator God, lead us. And finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence or if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And the God of peace will be with you all. Amen.
give thanks to our gracious God, whose mercy endures forever. We say a blessing together. Blessed are we when we proclaim your justice and enjoy together the fruits of the earth. Blessed are we when we sing your praises and walk faithfully on your own. Blessed are we when we are guided by your wisdom and live in harmony with your world. Amen.